Hey, this is Pastor Roy Barrett from Discover Life Church. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Now let's get ready to be transformed, have our hearts encouraged, and live the life God has created us to live. Enjoy today's teaching. Acts 9, 1 through 18. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He fell to the ground. And heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings to the people and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. All right. For a few moments, for a few moments, by the grace of God, for a few moments, so we can get to some question and answers. We're going to talk about divine disruption, divine disruption, divine disruption. And one of the um, practices I often have whenever I, pra- I prepare to teach prepared to preach, whether at DLC or even um, as a guest speaker anywhere. I always write like a theme at the top of my notes that always drives um, my preparation, my notes, and everything like that. So here's the theme. Many of us work hard to establish a level of normality, almost predictability. Many of us work hard to establish a level of normality and predictability in our lives. However, God never called us to live predictable lives. God never called us to live predictable lives or self-controlled lives. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean lives where we're in control of just every little thing that happens all the time. God never called us to live like that. God would never permit that to happen. That's why there are pivotal seasons where he'll often inject, inject himself almost shockingly and suddenly into our lives. God will inject almost shockingly and suddenly into our lives, his authority, his reality, so that you and I can be brought into a greater alignment and agreement with his creative purpose and will for our lives. God will shockingly inject themselves into our lives, 
It's not the enemy. It's not that you have failed. It's not that I have done something wrong. It is not punishment. It's just an opportunity for God to bring us into greater alignment, greater agreement with his plans for our lives. And before I get too far, here's what I want to make sure if you're taking notes, we want to make sure we're very clear. There's a difference between an interruption and a disruption. There is a difference between an interruption and a disruption. An interruption is a break, it's a pause, it's a momentary um, separation from what you were doing, but you can go back to doing what you were doing prior to the pause or the break. An interruption, that's just a temporary stop. It's a temporary pause. It's a temporary moment of disconnect from what you were engaged in and how you were doing, but you eventually go back to what you were doing before the pause or the break. A disruption is a pause, a break, it's a stop, but watch this. But you and I are thrust and we're forced into an entire new way of thinking, living, or behaving. In other words, an interruption allows me to go back to how things were. A disruption says you don't get to go back to how things were, much like this pandemic situation. Right or wrong, no matter what side of the political spectrum you may fall on, here is the truth. Life will never go back to how it was pre-pandemic. Well, Pastor, you just sound doom and gloom. No, I'm just saying the truth. We, we won't go back to how everything was done prior to this pandemic. For example, with ministry, the heightened or the increase of online participation has tremendously been noted and documented during this time because we can't gather, not just at DLC, but all across this world. The online ministry has taken off. And once we're free and once we're on the other side of this pandemic, the online ministry is not going to go back to how it was. Because why? Watch this. We've reset and we've recreated and we've established a new palette. You've reached new people. There are people who do not live in the city of Atlanta that we're reaching as a ministry. And I believe in my heart that once we're on the other side of this pandemic, they're not all of a sudden going to say, Let's, we're going to stop watching DLC because now the pandemic. No, I believe because the ministry is being um, used of God to transform their lives, they're going to be like, hey, I want to continue being a part of the ministry of DLC. Even though I'm not there physically, I am getting transformed. I'm getting fed. I'm getting developed. I'm getting nurtured. So I'm going to continue to follow. So a disruption thrusts you into a new life, a new spectrum. There is a difference between an interruption and a disruption. If you got it, just give me a hand sign, a thumbs up. Let me know in the comment line. Even though I'm not looking, PK is there. And so that is something we have to be very clear about. All right, here is the background. We're reading the story of the Apostle Paul, but he is now Saul. So we're reading the story of his conversion. And we're reading it from the story of the book of Acts. Now, when you look in a Bible and you have a Bible that may have, you know, like a title over every chapter, or a title over every book, it introduces you to the book and it may tell you this is um, Acts. And it may says, you know, the Acts of the Apostles, it, because it leads you to think that the main character are the apostles, are Peter and James and John, when in reality, the main character in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. The main character in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit, God's presence, God's power. And when you read the book of Acts, you and I will discover that the Holy Spirit 
Oftentimes, God had the Holy Spirit manifest, show up, show out in ways that seemingly seems almost rude. Because watch this. When you first hear the Holy Spirit in the book of um, Acts in chapter 2, it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Suddenly, suddenly. And then you read another chapters. It says, while they're talking, the Holy Spirit fell. While they were praying, the Holy Spirit did this. And while they were walking, the power of God does this. In other words, Acts gives us this key insight that God, the power of God, the presence of God can be not just intrusive, but at times outright disruptive. Okay, am I making sense? Come on, talk, talk to me. I can't look down, but you got to let PK know. At times, the Holy Spirit, the power of God is not just intrusive, meaning interruptive of our lives, but there are times he's just outright disruptive just disruptive. He comes in such a manner, he doesn't give you a text to say, hey, I'm on my way. He doesn't send you a tweet that says, I'm coming in three days. He doesn't send you a trailer or a teaser. He just shows up. He manifests himself. He injects himself. You're just going through the grocery line, and you just had an injection from God that you just got reminded by the presence of God, I am your provider. You just got laid off from your job. An injection from the power and presence of God hits you that I will supply your all your needs. Your kids are going back to school, and you get hit with the power of God because you didn't think your child would get promoted. You didn't think your child would have lived this long. It doesn't matter. God at times would just inject his reality in your life in order to bring you and I into more of his reality. Are you with me? Come on, say amen. And so what happens is in Acts chapter number nine, we're reading the story of Saul's conversion because Saul is on his way to Damascus. And when you read the story, you read of his conversion. And I am having trouble with my iPad. Y'all see this? It's just the devil. The devil don't want me to teach this message, but I'm a little old school. You know he's a liar. And so Saul's conversion is what we're going to look at because I believe it shows us with such clarity, such, such definitiveness that your God and my God doesn't want you to buy into a view of your life that it is going to be so predictable, so controllable, so understandable that you and I become, watch this, deceived into thinking that God only comes in and moves when we ask. You, you got me? Because there is a view that people have, some of Christianity, that God won't do anything without my permission. And that's not completely true because that is the essence of faith, is that you trust God even where you don't give him permission because you know his heart is for you. Okay, I lost some of my amens. Come back with come come back. Well, I didn't ask God to do this because oftentimes what you ask, you can ask with your mouth, but your words do not always properly understand your heart because God speaks to the cry of your heart, and sometimes your words may not always reflect your heart. So God go past your words and knows the cry of your heart. Ooh, I know it is quiet right there. That's why God, some, where people would say, you know, I'm afraid. And I'll be honest before I jump into this. Sometimes our hesitation in serving God like we know to serve God is because we don't know what is on the other side of the yes. We don't know 
what's on the other side of the yes. We, I, God's going to have me um, just move to Alaska where it's cold, and I'm from Florida, and I like hot weather, and if I really go all out, I just don't know. I, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. But watch this. In my heart, I know, God, you know what is best for me. You know how you form me, and I trust you with my life. And sometimes God would be disruptive to our plans, not to destroy us, but to develop us. I put on, um, I think, Twitter this morning. I said, God never wastes a pain, a battle, or a hurt. I may not know why it happened, but I do know God is going to make it happen for my good and for his glory. That's why I can trust him in the midst of a pandemic situation. That's why you can have victory, because even if you feel like God has been disruptive to your plans, you know he never disrupt to bring you beneath his standard of blessing you, transforming you, and making sure you're an overcomer. So let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about um, a divine disruption. Just give me, let me know if I'm talking to you. Let, well, let PK know if we're talking to you. Divine disruption. Kind of almost like why it happens. What, what, what's the purpose of a divine disruption? Because some of you, you're in a divine disruption. You Watch this. You had your plans for your job. Everything was going great. And all of a sudden, the pandemic comes. Boom, changes everything. It's a divine disruption. I'm not saying God causes everything. I am saying in the sovereignty and the sufficiency of God, he can make all things work together for our good. You got me? All right, here you go. A divine disruption, number one, directs my attention to God. Yeah, directs my attention to God. The scripture is very clear. Paul or Saul was on his journey. If you're taking notes, I want you to circle his, his. He is on his journey. Now, why is that important? When you read the book of Acts in like chapter, in the end of the book of Acts, I think it's like around 26, 27, when, when Saul is now Paul and he gives his testimony um, to King Agrippa, he says something very important. He says, and I verily thought within myself to go and to persecute God's people. Why is that, Pastor, something you're highlighting? Paul is on his journey. After a divine disruption, his life has changed. At the end of his life, he makes this confession. Man, I thought I was doing the right thing when I was persecuting God's people. In other words, some of us, we have convinced ourselves that we are doing the right things for God and in God. And we are so convinced that our journey, our way is right, that it takes a divine disruption to remove us and to deliver us from hurting ourselves or hurting others any further. We have convinced ourselves that my way is right. My journey is right. I am going the right way. I am doing the right thing. We have convinced ourselves that we are so right that God needs a divine disruption. Watch this so that he can get our attention so that we can be free from our view of right and get into what God has called is right. That God may take us from, watch this, self-righteousness to truth. Amen, lights. It is quiet right there. Because there, Proverbs says it this way. There is a way that seemeth right to a person, but the end is death. There is a way that seemeth right. Paul says, man, I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, you can convince yourself that you're doing right. 
you keep telling yourself, I keep telling myself, yeah, I'm doing right. I'm doing right. And then like Paul or like Saul, you have religious leaders who, watch this, who are using our own self-deception for their gain. So you have people who exploit our dysfunction to further their own cause. Because remember, the religious leaders saw Christianity at this time as a threat. They saw being a follower of Jesus Christ as a threat to their supremacy, to their influence. So they wanted to get rid of all of those who named the name of Jesus. And they had convinced themselves that it is the right thing to do to get rid of the believers. And Saul had convinced himself, man, I'm doing right by harming these people. Yeah, I'm doing right by ruining their reputation. Yes, I'm doing right by putting them in prison. Yes, I'm doing right by um, scandalizing. Yes, I'm doing right by manipulating. Yes, I'm doing right by setting them up. And you and I become so convinced sometimes that we have laid out the right plan for our lives. And God says, you know what? If I don't give you a divine disruption, then I won't get your attention. I won't have the necessary time with you to move you into a place of truth. Just because I think is right doesn't mean it's the truth of God. Amen. Just because I think it's right. See, that's the difference. That's the challenge we face as believers, as people. We think what is right to us equates to being true in God. Now, that, that right there is worth three shoes from Tracy Braswell. That's, that's worth three shoes from Tracy Braswell right there. We tend to equate what we call right to being truth in God. No, there is a way that seemeth right, but in the end is death. And sometimes God says, I have to give you a divine disruption before what you call right leads you to death. Not physical, but sometimes the death of purpose, the death of passion, the death of a marriage the death of a family, the death of a dream. So he gives a divine disruption to get our attention and say, hey, uh-uh, I need you to get into truth and get out of your own view of right. Amen? All right, right. here's number two. Number two, because that, number one, he, he's really protecting me. Here's number two. A divine disruption raises questions in God. Raises question in God. Because once... God flashes that bright light and Saul falls to the ground. Um, the scripture, <laughs> scripture says, Saul goes, you know, who are you, Lord? Because God says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you kick against the prick? Who are you, Lord? I want you to notice the divine disruption raises questions in God. It raises questions. Listen to me. Come close. Lean into your phone. Lean into your iPad. Lean into your computer. Lean in real close. Listen to me. Listen to me. God doesn't ask questions because he lacks information. God asks questions so that we may locate ourselves in proximity to his will. Okay. Lean in. Stay with me. God doesn't ask questions because he lacks, the he lacks answers because God is omniscient, knows all things. God asks questions to help us locate ourselves in proximity to his will. Because I, I never considered this. Every pivotal, every crucial, every vital turning point in history, in the world, in my life has always come in response to a moment when someone is engaging in questions and answers, either with God, either with themselves, either with others, 
Because questions and answers, the right kind of questions, the right kind of answers will lead you to giving yourself permission to live above current frustration or condition. Am I making sense? See, the right questions, the right answers will lead you to your breakthrough. It leads you to the place where you can live free and live beyond your current circumstance or condition. So a divine disruption comes to raise the kind of questions that would allow you to live on a level that's greater than where you are right now. Why do you persecute me, Saul? Why do you persecute me? Divine disruption brings up and brings out the kind of questions that begins us on the journey of living more meaningful lives. I guarantee you, if you play back your life, your most pivotal, your most meaningful, your most crucial moments where your lives turn for some form of better, being healthier, being stronger, it came in response to a moment of questions and answers. Either you dialoguing with God in private, you had a conversation with a mentor, you had a conversation with someone that you respected and admired, and out of that time, you saw, man, I can take a step and I can go in this direction. And God gives divine disruptions to begin to raise questions and answers. I remember, um, I thought I was gonna go into the military because all my cousins were going into the military. And, and we were in order. It's about six of us, and we're all one year apart. And I was like, and I think I'm like number four in the line, number three in the middle, somewhere like that. And everybody before me were, had went into the military. And I just knew it. And, and a divine disruption came into my life. And I, and I was crushed. And I, I was, what's going on? And, and, and it was like in, in the middle of, watch, <laughs> listen, in the middle of a downpour of rain, in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, sitting outside on the hood of a car at one of my aunt's house, God raised questions to ask me what I was going to do. They didn't, I, you know, this is how family is. They didn't come and get me out the rain. They just yelled at me from the door of the house. Like, boy, what you doing out there? But they didn't know it was a, I was having a divine disruption with tears in my eyes. And God was asking me, what are you doing? Where are you going to go? But I was heartbroken because my, I was like, God, everybody else, I was, Gerard is gone. He's in the military. I said, Cedric went in the military. And even while I was waiting and doing my paperwork, another cousin, I said, Curtis is already gone. And in all of that, having this, it was only a short moment, less than six minute conversation with God. And God was saying, no, but I got something different for you. But he had to raise the questions. And I had to come to the answer that says, I can live better. Every pivotal point in your life is going to hinge on question and answer. And God uses divine disruptions sometimes to start the conversation. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Ezekiel, can these bones live? Jesus, what did y'all go to the wilderness to see? Isaiah, who would go for me? Moses, what's in your hand? Elijah, what's in your house? Every pivotal point of your life is going to start and turn with questions and answers. And sometimes because we're afraid to ask, God use a divine disruption to start the conversation. Number three, divine disruption changes my motivation 
for God changes my motivation. If I'm making sense, y'all let me know. It changes my motivation for God. Here's what I love. Okay, here's what I, this is one of my favorite points. I love this. I love this. I just love this. I love the word of God. I love, I just love God. Because especially when I have to sit down and you counsel people who are ambitious, who who have ambition, um, I want you to notice God didn't change the direction that Saul was going. He only changed his motivation. Okay, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Saul is going to Damascus, but he's going to arrest people. He is ambitious. He is zealous. He is zealous. He is very ambitious for God. But God doesn't change the direction. He only changes his motivation on why he's going there. There are many of you who are ambitious to be successful financially, to be successful professionally. You are very ambitious. You want to be married and have a family. You're very ambitious. You want to be a millionaire, a gazillionaire, a trillionaire. You are very ambitious. You want multiple homes. You have large vision. And God is looking at the direction that you're going, and you're afraid that this disruption is going to alter all of that. And God is saying, I'm not changing your direction. I just want to know why you want it. I just want to know why you're going after it. Because listen to me. Don't check out. Stay with me. Listen to me. God uses a divine disruption to get to the core of our why. Why do you want it? Why do you need it? Why do you have to have it? I don't mind you going after it. I just want to know why you want the big house. I want to make sure the direction you're going is not rooted in envy. It's not rooted in you trying to compare yourself to your friend or to your family. I want to make sure it's not rooted in you trying to prove something to your critics. I want to make sure the direction you're going, it is motivated from a pure heart to glorify me. Oh, come on. A divine disruption checks and changes our motives so that we may have a pure heart that the reason I'm going after it is because, God, there's an urgency and a priority to glorify you. A divine disruption changes my motivation. Saul, I'm not going to change the direction you're going. I want to change your motivation. You're going there to hate, but I'm going to give you the motivation so that when you get there, it's going to be about helping. You're going to destroy, but on the other end of this direction you're going, it's going to end up being to build up people. And there are many of you, you're ambitious, and that's why you have the brakes on in your commitment with God, because you think God is going to somehow restrain or either remove your ambition. But you never see Paul being lacking in intensity even after conversion. So this is permission for you to go for it. This is permission for you to dream big, pray big, plan big, go big. This is permission for you to go for it with everything in you, with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all your strength. It's permission to go for it. And it's permission for you to recognize that at any moment, God may say, I just want to know why. Not the what, the why. I'm going to pause because here's something some of you have never considered. The motivation is what God challenges and checks before the action. God checks and challenges our motivation before our actions. See, we think it's once I do something, then God's going to check it. God, wants, God said, no, I'm going to start with your heart before I start with your hands. Because long before you do it through your hands, it first has to enter the heart. 
So if I get the motivation, if the motivation is right, if the heart is right, the hands, the works will be right. If I'm right in my heart, I'll do right through my hands. Come on, guys. Let me know. So here we go. So he uses a divine disruption to change our motivation for him that I'm motivated. Why do you want more money? What's the why behind it? I'll never forget even in starting ministry. Why are you going into ministry? Why are you planning a church? Why? And ministry will reduce you to your why. The why behind it. Why do you want to get married? Not because, watch this, not because I want to love somebody. I just don't want to be alone. I don't really want to love somebody. I just don't want to be alone. Why do you want the business? Because I just, I just want to be able to say I got a business. I really don't want to grow it, work it. I don't want to put the effort in to really build it. I just want to be able to have a card that I can tell somebody or have, have the opportunity to say, yeah, I'm a business owner. Why do you want it? That's what God uses divine disruption to get to the motives so that it's really all about glorifying here. Number four, divine disruption starts my transition in God, starts my transitions in God. What are you talking about? The divine disruption left Paul with blindness and emptiness, blind for three days and he doesn't eat for three days, blind for three days and he doesn't eat for three days. And in many regards, in many ways, the divine disruption was like a detox. It was a way that God stripped him and purified him. Listen to me from a bad past or even a good present. Ah, it was a deep, it was a it, blindness and the emptiness. God was flushing him. God was stripping him. And I want to tell many of you, many of you, this point, it wasn't even originally in my, um, in my, my initial notes draft. And I inserted it because I just felt it so strong. There are many of you in this season of your life, you feel like you're in blindness, like you can't see that there's darkness. There's an emptiness inside of you. And I want to tell you, it's not that you've done something wrong. It's that God has started transitioning you. God has started transitioning you. And oftentimes, darkness is the beginning of your transition. Go to the book of Genesis. And it was the evening was the first day that God starts transitioning you. Oftentimes, God starts transitioning me when there is the sense of helplessness, when there is the sense of blindness, where there is the sense of dependency on someone else to interpret and walk you through a season of life that you can't make sense of and you can't explain yourself. Divine disruptions are a form of detoxing, purging and pruning us so that we may be moved into, listen to me, listen, so that we can be moved into what is now, what is new, and what is next in God. What is now, what is new, what is next in God. Divine disruption, start transition. So if you feel like I'm not seeing God clearly, maybe it's transition. If you're feeling like, man, I don't have the strength that I normally have, maybe it's transition. Because eventually Paul got his sight and Paul got his strength. So you're going to get your sight back, your strength. It's just God is saying, right now I got you in transition. So that when you get your strength, you're strong in me and for me. When you got your sight, you see me. Oh, come on, guys. So that when you, when you get your strength back, you're strong for me and in me. And when your eyes open, you can see, you see me. And you don't just see the world through the lens of your own frustration, fears, and your own preferences. 
divine disruption come to start transition, moving you and I into what's now, what's new, and what's next. Woo. Last one. I hope I'm making sense to you guys. Last one. Watch this. We said so far, divine disruption directs my attention to God, raises questions in God, changes my motivation for God, and then this last one, reveals my mission in God. Reveals my mission in God. In the end, in the end, God used this divine disruption to bring Saul into his life purpose and life mission, the reason God created him. Because God said to Ananias, I want you to go lay hands on Saul because I want him to know that he's my chosen vessel, chosen instrument to the Gentiles and to my people. A divine disruption came into Saul's life to bring Saul into the revelation of his mission, his life mission, and his life purpose. This is what I want you to see. Every divine disruption comes with the opportunity for you to get a revelation about who God has called you to be and what God has called you to do. I'm teaching better than the way y'all typing right now, and I'm not even looking, I'm not even looking on Facebook Live. I am teaching better than the way y'all are typing and responding right now. Every divine disruption comes with an opportunity for revelation. What do you mean revelation? Some type of disclosure, some type of unveiling, some type of revealing, some type of exposing, some type of awareness of who God has called you to be and what God has called you to do. And Ananias lays hands, and the scripture says something like scales fell off Saul's eyes. Could this be the time that God has used a divine disruption to let the scales fall off your eyes? Because you've been looking at life dimly and darkly. And God says, I want you to see more clearly. Because you and I have been created, watch this, to live a more mission-minded life, not misery-minded life. Too many people live misery-minded as opposed to living mission-minded. And Paul and Saul, Saul gives us the opportunity through his experience to see that, God, when you create a divine disruption in my life, it's that you are using it as an opportunity for me to live with more certainty and more clarity about who you call me to be and what you've called me to do. And I'm just wondering this time, have you seized the revelation that God has presented before you? Now, you may say, well, I don't know what it is. Maybe you need to pray for an Ananias, that there's somebody God can use to come and let scales fall from your eyes. No wonder Paul would write to the church at Ephesus in chapter number one, and I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Because Paul could tell the church at Ephesus, man, been there. A divine disruption is needed so that the scales can fall, so you can see more clearly, live with more certainty, your mission, who God called you to be. And so I'm going to ask PK to come back up here. Um, and as she's coming, I want to give you the big so what and the big takeaway. The big so what, the big takeaway. Here it is right here. God disrupts my life on purpose in order for me to live more on purpose for him. God disrupts my life on purpose in order for me to live more on purpose for him.
He disrupts my life on purpose so that I could live more on purpose for him. And here's your weekly challenge. This week, I want you to read Acts, the 16th chapter, all the way through verse 20, the 28th chapter. So you got many chapters to read this week. The 16th through the 28th, memorize Acts 20, verse 24. And then this week, I want you to write a purpose statement for your life. Amen. Write a purpose statement for your life. Amen. Amen. Give me a hand clap no matter wherever you are. Give me a hand clap. Put the coffee down. Give me a hand clap. All right, hey, PK. Hand did, clap. Yeah. Do I have any questions from anybody? Um, take a few moments and ask. Well, first of all, can I say you all rock. I don't know how. I'm sitting here in the sanctuary trying to take notes and comment and follow along. And it's a lot. So you all are rocking at home as you are commenting in the comment line mm -hmm. on Facebook and taking notes and absorbing what God is saying. You all are awesome. I will definitely be listening okay. to this message multiple times this week. All right. So one of the questions that I did see okay. was, can a divine disruption feel like it's destroying you? Or is that the point? Yes. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> Not the answer, I think. <laughs> that was yes. wanted. Yes, it can. Because remember... A divine disruption dismantles mm -hmm. our sense of control. Okay, that's true. A divine disruption is always going to be attached to some sense of dismantling. Mm -hmm. Remember, Saul is in totally control of his life, but a divine disruption strips his sense of controlling his life. And at the beginning, remember, I said we work hard. All of us as human beings work life to try to control mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. That's why we want more money. So we can be we can feel like we're in control. That's why we yeah. want everything in life to be in our our ability to manage it, predict it and control. But a divine disruption comes and it comes with that sense of dismantling and it crushes you because none of us like to feel vulnerable in and of ourselves. So, so yes. So I'm going to add to their question. OK. What do I do when I feel like I'm just being dismantled and destroyed? That is when you do exactly what Saul does. Okay. You talk to God. Okay. Because remember, God never, God never, well, let me just say this. Separate the feeling from being destroyed to actually being destroyed. Okay. That's good. That's so you good. have to, we That's have to say, sometimes how we feel, we think is, is, is our, is the end of the story. I may feel like God is destroying me, but in reality, God is actually building me. Mm. So that's why I, I have the feeling and we practice non-directive counseling. We always tell people, you're never wrong for how you feel, but you can always examine how you got to the feeling. Yeah. So I feel like God is destroying me, but because I know God is not a destroyer, but because I know God loves me and is for me, even with the feeling of being destroyed, I have to allow my faith to override the feeling and say, God, you have plans to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me a future, yeah. a hope, and an expected end. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. And that's where the importance of making sure that we fill ourselves with God's word, yes. with his truth. Yeah, exactly. So that when my feelings are giving me a lie, God's truth, truth. rises exactly. up as a, exactly. as a grid, as a filter that says, mm -hmm. uh-uh, we we're not receiving right. that. Because we feel like the disruption is, is saying it's the end of my life. And God mm -hmm. is saying it's the end of your life as you know it, but it's the start of the life as I have prepared for you. That's good. That uh -huh. is good. That's good. So then there was a question up here, and I just added some words to okay. it because the, what the person wrote was, what do I do next or what's next? So what do I do when I don't know what to do next? You know, God's bringing me a, dis a divine disruption. I know my life is being disrupted. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's blown up. Mm -hmm. 
what do I do next? I don't know what you're telling me to do next. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Mm, that's good. Say that one again. When you don't know what, and I, all, <laughs> all of this is in parentheses, um, you know, quotation marks as it relates to being godly. Just want to make sure I put that disclaimer <laughs> on there. <laughs> when remain you don't, godly. yeah, remaining God. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. In Philippians chapter number um, three, I think, where it says that Paul tells the church at Philippi, listen, live up to what you know to do. Mm. And the things you don't know, God will make clear at another time if he chooses. So you live up to what you know. Many times when I've had divine disruption and I don't know, the tendency in my flesh is to just sit and wait for instructions. And that's not what God says. God always says, keep doing what you know to do until I give you more instructions. Keep doing what you know to do until I give you more instructions. Well, I'm, I'm told you know what to, you still know to pray. Right. You right. still know to worship. Right. You still know to forgive. We still know to go to church. We still know to praise. We still know to celebrate. We still know to honor. You keep doing it, and eventually God starts giving you the next instructions. But our tendency is when we feel like there's been such a disruption, we become paralyzed by the experience as opposed to talking to the God who allowed us to have it. So you talk to God because you still find, as disruptive as God was, notice that Saul kept talking to God. I'll say this. If nothing else, when you have a disruption— Refuse to be silent. Keep talking to God. That's so good. Refuse to be silent. Don't shut down emotionally. Don't disconnect from God. Disconnect from people. Don't let bitterness and and envy fill your heart. But man, I knew this was going to happen. No, no. You keep talking to God. Even if you're saying, I hurt. I'm hurt. I don't know. Do what you know to do and God will make it clear. That's so good. And if I can just kind of add to that, I think that's one of the places where we fall off in our Mm -hmm. faith of God fulfilling the prophetic words that have been spoken Mm -hmm. over our lives. Because we have a prophetic word that speaks to what God wants to do, the greatness that he wants to do in and through our lives. Mm -hmm. And then we hit a divine disruption and then we say, God, I'm just done. Clearly, you're not going to take me where you said you're going to take me. And, And we can sit down sit down in our feelings, so to speak. Yes. And so to say, do what you know to do, mm-hmm. I think is so poignant. It is, and it, it is so important because when we get a prophetic word or when God shows us what he wants to do in our lives, there's still a doing what I know to do until God brings that to pass. Yes. Somebody asked me gives a, me more detail. Somebody okay. asked a question that I just okay. happened to look at. I'm off my task. Let me look here. Somebody I'm asked a question. Here. Can I explain raising questions in God yes. um, a little further? Sure. No problem. Yes, that's it. Whenever you read, especially the scriptures and even in, in history in many regards, when there are divine disruption, someone is, starts asking questions. What is happening? What is going on? Okay. And I'm saying when you have a divine disruption in God, God is always fostering a dialogue, a moment of engaging in questions and answers. Even if it's just you asking your questions. For, remember when he comes to Gideon. A divine disruption of this man hiding in a cave and God suddenly shows right. up and appears. Right. And, and, and Gideon starts having a dialogue with God that leads to his own breakthrough yeah. and the deliverance of his nation. If you have more questions, and I oftentimes say this to my own wife, I ain't going to look at her. Sometimes we have seasons and I tell her, I say, you have more questions than I have answers. And that's not bad. True. You may have seasons where you have more questions than God 
than the answers God is giving. That doesn't mean you lack faith. That doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. That right. means God may have you in a divine disruption. Right. And he's using the questions to bring about a greater transformation in your life. What did he say to the um, disciples? I know we got to go to the disciples. Look at this because the disciple says, who sinned? Right. This boy. And Jesus said, nobody sinned. But God, look, listen to me. God uses questions to bring transformation. Not because we lack something, but to move us right. into right. a greater expression of his reality. Right. So if you got questions, keep asking your questions. Keep talking to God. All right. right. And now that was the last question, but I do want you to, I think that one statement that you said under the questions mm -hmm. where you said that because we're afraid to ask, God will use a divine disruption to begin the conversation in many cases. Oh, okay. God would... Okay, so I just talk about my personal life. I remember um, in, um, in, in ministry, wait, let me, let me remember the psalmist says, you know, <laughs> he says it this way. He says, you know, it's a rhetorical psalm. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. Okay. And when you read this, that psalm, David was talking about being angry. Mm -hmm. And it was as if under the influence of the Holy Spirit, God had to, well, tell me why you're angry. Why are you mad? And, then, and it's like David had to confess, well, I got some issues going on. And my point is, sometimes we know there's certain questions we need to deal with, but we don't want to, we won't stop and really deal with, why am I in debt? And so instead of really dealing with why am I in debt, we keep just working. And right, so God right. you can use a divine okay. disruption to, that forces you to start dealing with, okay, why am I in debt? That's how good. did I get here financially? That's good. How, how, how did I get here? And then bring in an Ananias to help you to see clearly. So, you know, why, man, why can't I, and I'm just throwing out some names, why can't I just get my house, get a, why can't I leave this apartment? And you, and you don't want to ask the hard questions. So you have a conversation with like a Dre Wigfall, who's a realtor, who starts asking you the questions that you really don't want to ask yourself right. and dealing with your credit score and dealing with those type of things. And so, yes, a divine disruption will start the conversation that you and I refuse. All right, one more question. How do we differentiate between a divine disruption versus a personal distraction? Oh, I don't like Tish. Tisha would, she would ask that question because watch this. A divine disruption, you often can tell it's a, it's a divine disruption because it will point you quickly to God. Mm. A distraction often points you to your flesh That's or good. to your own preference. That's a good. divine distraction. Notice, once a distraction ha comes, who's the first voice you hear? God. Yeah. A divine disruption, the first voice you mainly will hear is probably going to be the voice of God. You're going to hear God somehow pulling you towards him. Mm -hmm. A personal distraction is something that's taking you to away from intimacy with God, is taking you away from cultivating deeper faith. Anything that moves you away from God right. is not God. That's good. That's good. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for a great day. We speak your blessings over every person that's looking and over every person who will look at this broadcast maybe later this week or in another time in the future. We say may heaven smile upon them. May your face be upon them. May your blessings overtake them. May wealth, riches, and honor forever be in their house. In Jesus' yes, name, amen. amen. We love you to life. Yes. We love you to life. Be blessed. Have a great week. Don't forget, 
Discovery Zone this afternoon. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. I pray you enjoyed today's teaching. Let's keep in touch by subscribing to the Discover You podcast. Be blessed.